a very warm welcome to The Early Retirement Show, the show dedicated to helping you navigate the nuances of an early retirement, a non-traditional retirement. Now let's get right into the episode so we can learn how to retire early. Welcome back to the Early Retirement Podcast, and today we are going to be going through a listener question that was submitted by Chad, which I'm going to read in just a moment, but please know that as I'm working through this listener question, there's a few resources I want you to be aware of. Number one, in the description of today's episode, you are going to see what what I call important numbers of 2023, which is really just your cheat sheet of a tax table for 2023, what you can expect tax rates to be and really how you can use that to plan. But I'm going to be using that when I work through today's listener question. I don't want you going, where is Ari getting those numbers from? And what is he referencing when he says that? And so I want to make sure that you have access to that. So I'm going to put that in the description. I'm also going to be using a tool called Portfolio Visualizer. That's nothing that you need to be aware of. No buttons you have to click. Of course, it's a podcast episode. But in case you're wondering, okay, what is he using to get these numbers? Or what does this mean? That's a tool that we use. It's it's one of the softwares that we like to utilize at our firm where it helps us look at portfolios and build portfolios and backtest portfolios, and it's just a really helpful tool. So I'm going to be using those in today's episode, but before I hop into the listener question, I want to give a big thank you as more people are tuning into the show, which means more people are sharing the show. And all I ask is that if it has been helpful, please do rate the show. That helps more people find it. I want to help as many people as possible retire early. And if you've been listening to the show for some time, you know, it's really not about an early retirement that's so magical. What's magical is that you have more time to do what you care about most. At the end of the day, none of us really care about money. It's how can we use our money to live a better life? And some of you know this, but my story is that I grew up in Malibu, California, around wealth, really specifically around undisciplined wealth, where people didn't have an issue making money, and and they had a lot of money. There's a lot of famous and wealthy people there. But what attracted me to the industry, and then I'll, of course, hop into today's question um, without going too much on a tangent, is that people are really good at making money, but it's the stuff that's not always so sexy, if you will, of, okay, how do I save on taxes and and pay rates at 0%? And how do I make sure I'm disciplined with my investment strategy? And how do I make sure I have enough protection in place? So all of that is really what attracted me to the industry because I saw so much undisciplined wealth. So it's been years now, of course, but I just like to always bring it up because the more that you guys are able to share the show, the more people I can help retire early. And once again, if you're going, hey, this sounds like something I want specific customized feedback and guidance on, this is, of course, what I do. It's what my my team helps to do. So you can always go to our website, rootfinancialpartners.com, and see exactly how we do that. So let's hop in to the listener question, which comes from Chad, and Chad asks the following. He goes, hi, Ari. We're projected to have about $700,000 in a brokerage account when we turn 50 years old. Great job on that, Chad. Our plan is to use this money to bridge the gap until we can access our retirement accounts at 59 and a half. Currently, it's all invested in a single S&P index fund to limit turnover that might produce capital gains taxes. How often have we heard this? Um, As we approach 50 years old, we would like to have the 700K invested in something much more conservative, maybe even a treasury account. 
we're anticipating spending 50 to 60,000 a year during our gap years. And for those of you that aren't familiar, the gap years, the years until we can access those retirement accounts, the years until we can really start pulling from those accounts without any penalties or taxes. I'm worried that if we sell the S&P index fund and allocate our assets into something more conservative, we'll be subject to all kinds of capital gains taxes, which, trust me, Chad, I don't want you to have to pay more than you need to. We are hoping to keep our distributions within the 0% capital gains tax bracket when we turn with 50 and beyond. So I'll explain what that means in just a moment. It seems like we're stuck with either the risky option of keeping the S&P index fund throughout our gap years or the conservative option, but in turn paying a ton of capital gains taxes up front which Chad says, which I think would raise our basis, but I'm not sure. Are there any strategies with brokerage accounts that minimize capital gains taxes and also allow us for a transition into a more conservative mutual fund? Thank you. Love the podcast. Appreciate it, Chad. And there was a lot in there, a lot of really good stuff, and I'm excited for today's episode. I've prepared some content that I think will really help give you some clarity around this. But first, I want to break down some of the, the wording used because Chad, very astute, love the way you're thinking about this. And a lot of it I agree with, by the way, but I'll explain how I'm thinking about that in more detail in just a moment. But one of the things that Chad referenced, some of you guys already might be aware of this. And I say some of you guys because you guys send me questions and I feel like it, it is a community at this point. What what Chad is referencing is if you're married and you file your, your taxes jointly and your taxable income is below $89,250. And where am I getting that from? That is from the cheat sheet, the important numbers for 2023, which is in the description of this podcast episode. If you are below that $89,250, you pay 0% in capital gains taxes. What does that really mean? Well, let's assume that you have Apple stock. You bought it $100,000 and it goes all the way up to $200,000. So you've made $100,000. Great. Now, let's assume that there's no income of any kind, okay? So no income, maybe not the case here, but Chad is already thinking, hey, maybe him and his wife want to travel one day. Maybe they want to do some other things if they retire earlier. Maybe there's no part-time income. Let's just pretend there's no income. Humor me for a moment. Well, if that's the case, well, now we have $100,000 of gains from this Apple position. Does it make sense to intentionally sell $89,250 worth of that Apple gain and pay 0% taxes on it, it very well may be worth that. In fact, you could say once we've done that, you say, Ari, makes sense. I love the idea. I'm paying 0% taxes on all of those gains. So as opposed to paying it 15% or 20%, you can pay it 0%. But what if you go, Ari, I really like Apple. I like the way my portfolio is positioned. Well, nothing's stopping you from going back and buying Apple. You're essentially just resetting the cost basis. So I hope that resonates for some of you wondering if you want to retire early and now all of a sudden you're thinking, do I need to keep working more? Am I going to be on track to retire? Well, go through a planning process, either with someone from my team or another planner to understand what's the implications if you do some things like this that saves you so much in taxes. And yeah, if income is really low, you can go, you know, boo-hoo, I don't have a lot of money coming in. Or you can go, no, these are times of my life that are special because once Social Security kicks in, once RMDs kick in, you're not going to be able to have this flexibility to do things like this. Now, you never want call it the income to weigh all the taxes. 
tax dog. And what I mean by that is I don't want you going, I'm not going to go work um, because I'm going to be able to pay 0% capital gains tax. It's going to be a net negative if that's the case. Now, if you say, Ari, I don't want to work. So the, the main point here, don't let the taxes drive your life decisions. If you're wondering, hey, should I not work? That way I can do this strategy. I would often recommend against that. What I mean is go work if you're going to work. And then, of course, take advantage of the tax stuff when you can. But this is just tax savings, which is way, in my opinion, underappreciated. We want to do this stuff, but don't let that come at the cost of really not enhancing your life. I mean, if you want to do part-time income because you enjoy it, or you say, you know what, I just want to bring in some extra income. Don't go, I'm not going to do that so I can do some of these strategies. Do them both and maximize it to, to the potential. So that's kind of part two, Chad, of your question. I apologize as I kind of answered that secondary to, to your first point, which is, hey, what do I do? Now it connected, but what do I do? with? I've got $700,000. That's what I'm projected to have when we turn 50. What do we do? Because it, it's scary. I don't want to pay any more taxes than I need to. I also want these funds to be available. You know, what makes most sense? So what I did is I went to this portfolio visualizer tool, and it's something we use for our clients. And it just lets you look at a bunch of different things, um, sharp ratios, Sortino ratio, all these fancy things. Some of it, truthfully, is overkill. Now, we nerd out over it as planners, but our job is really to show clients and people who reach out, like yourself, to even listen to the podcast, what do you need to know and what don't you need to know? Because I don't want you learning all of these things that really aren't super applicable to your retirement because it just takes away, you only have so much time and energy, so all of us do, that I want this to be ultra efficient. So what I did is I said, what if we put $100,000, not taking what you're projected to have, Chad, but what if we took $100,000 into the S&P 500 in January of 2000, and then we check our account, and let's say we're going to check our account, in, let's call it January 2010. Okay. So 10 years later, you were a good long-term investor. Um, you held on. What happened to your hundred thousand dollars? Well, if we're not reinvesting dividends, if I'm not showing anything like that, your hundred thousand dollars turned to $75,874. So about 25% of value was lost, which number one alludes to your point of, Hey, what do I do? Because you're, you're only talking and scaring me more in that, hey, I don't want to be subject to, to losing principal. And, and now, you know, this is what we're going to live off of until retirement when we can pull from our accounts penalty-free and tax-free. What do I do? And so what you do is you don't just own the S&P 500. The whole example that I just shared there, I, I was almost hoping to show you, hey, I'm going to go through a deep analysis, and it's not needed. Now, there is a deep analysis of, hey, why we invest, the history of investing. An example I've shared many times, but I'm going to share it again now, is, Chad, pretend you have five investment choices. In fact, I'll give you four. And you're going to tell me which one you would choose. Now, of course, you can't reply because it's a podcast, but you can think through it. I'm going to give you one choice, and that choice is an investment that goes up 53% of the time. I'm going to give you another choice that goes up 65% of the time. Another choice, it goes up 75% of the time. And then a final choice, Chad, that goes up 100% of the time, which would you choose? And people go, Ari, I'm not an idiot. I'm taking the one that goes up 100% of the time. And you would be right, but they're all the same exact investment. The difference is the time horizon. 53% of the time, on a daily basis, the stock market goes up. It's pretty much a coin flip. 47% of the time, it goes down. 53% of the time, it goes up. 65% of the time, on a monthly basis, the stock market will be positive. 35% of the time, negative. 
75% of the time means on an annual basis, three quarters of the time, you will have made money. But 25% of the time, you will not have made money. So when people say, should I invest all of this money if I'm going to go buy a home? The answer is no, not if you want your ability to get into that home to be dictated by how the market performs. The answer is yes, if you go, the reality is I don't need this money for 10, 15, 20 plus years, 100% of the time, your money has made money. So the example I share here is, this is from 2000 to 2010, but Chad, if we go from 2010 to 2020, the stock market just went on an absolute tear and you would have made so much more money that if you just looked at those 10 years, you'd go, I'm obviously going to just keep what I'm doing. The S&P 500 is working great for me. So the way you win in retirement, the way you win by thinking about it is by not losing. Well, how do you not lose? You don't just have the S&P 500 and you don't let what we call the tax tail, well, the investment dog. And yes, what I would advise in this case, Chad, if you're thinking about, okay, what makes most sense here? I want to make sure I'm avoiding capital gains taxes. I want to be smart about this. At the same time, you know, what do I do when it comes to having the right allocation? And really, to your final question, what strategies exist to minimize capital gains taxes and transition into a more conservative mutual fund? What I would say, Chad, is the word conservative is the word that I think might be tricking you up a little bit here, and it trips up a lot of us. And the way I bring that up and the way I rephrase it to clients, and I just had this conversation literally a few hours ago before recording this episode, is they said, Ari, as I'm getting older, don't I need to be more conservative? If I'm going to need to pull from these funds, don't I need to be more conservative? And I reframe it with what is conservative? Because most people get older and think they need more bonds, and they're no longer a young investor. And I ask them how old they are. And they go, what do you mean? I'm in my 50s and 60s. And I go, great. So you need your money for 20, 30, 40 plus more years? And then legacy goals on top of that? And they go, yeah. And I go, you're not a conservative investor. Yes, we need to protect your portfolio. We need to protect what you've built. But the best way to protect that is by owning stocks that outpace inflation over time. Now, if we own 100% stocks, we're subjecting ourselves to so much risk, assuming this example, Chad, what if you're $700,000? We don't want that getting a big hit, and now all of a sudden you're projected to have 700000 when you're 50, but now it's 400000 The way that you win in retirement and the way you win pre- really preparing for retirement is by having a diverse set of investments. So you look at it and you go, how much every year can I minimize in taxes by doing that capital gains tax strategy I talked about before, paying as little as possible. And I don't know your situation, Chad. I don't know if there's part-time income. I don't know if there's other things going on, but let's say you can't pay 0% in taxes. Okay. Just let's say you're working and the reality is maybe you can say, you know what, maybe there's 10, $20,000 that I can pay 0% at, but the rest of it, maybe you have to pay 15% at. Well, there's a good argument to say, would you gladly pay 15% on some of the gains knowing that you can move all the assets into an investment allocation that can really grow with so much less unnecessary risk? To me, that's a trade-off I'd be happy to take because at the end of the day, although it would be a tax implication, it's going to occur at some time and I would rather have that occur sooner than later so that all of the growth is happening in a diverse way. So you don't just own the S&P 500. You don't just own the Russell 2000. You own all of these different asset classes. You own real estate passively. You own international funds. You own emerging markets. You own small caps. You own all of these different types of investments that perform differently. And the reason we do that is because we don't know what is going to outperform. I had a client reach out to me um, 
this was a week ago, who shared that they had concerns over investing in international funds in emerging market funds, and extremely valid concerns. But this past month, the client in emerging markets and international, well, it's been up 13.5% compared to the S&P 500, which has been up about 8.5%. So it's not to say I knew exactly. In, in fact, it is not to say that I knew exactly it would outperform. I did not know that. Nobody knows that. But Emerging markets outperformed amidst global uncertainty, amidst things happening in Ukraine, amidst everything happening in China. And it's our job to not go, we're going to guess what's going to occur, but to protect your portfolio, Chad, I would reframe the way you view risk. It, it is not a conservative mutual fund that I think you're looking for. I think what you're looking for is to preserve your income. And the best way to preserve that income that you need to live off of is really, quite simply, by having different investments that perform differently. So if one doesn't perform so well, you don't care because you have others that pick up the slack. Same thing happens. What if S&P 500 does really well? Well, if it does really well, great, you're participating in it, but you're not subjecting yourself to what we call unnecessary risk. So I hope that was helpful as you're thinking about this. I can do full episodes on just the way I explain this, just with tax stuff, with investment stuff, more retirement stuff, keep submitting your questions because that is how I create these episodes. So thank you, Chad, for this question. That is it for today's episode. Once again, if this was helpful, please feel free. Always reach out to me or a member of my team. We would be happy to assist you with your retirement goals, with creating your custom plan, really with enhancing what's most important to you. So thank you all. Please continue to rate and review the show. It helps more people find it. I appreciate it, and I'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Early Retirement Show. If you have a question that you want answered in a future episode, you can always go to my website, earlyretirementpodcast.com. That's earlyretirementpodcast.com. And you can go ahead and submit a question that I'll look to answer in a future episode. Thank you all for listening. Please do rate it, review it, and share it with someone who you think would benefit from this information. If there's anyone out there that you know, I certainly appreciate it. And I will see you all each week. Hey guys, it's me again. Please be smart about this. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as financial, tax, or legal advice. Consult with your tax preparer or financial advisor before taking any action. This podcast is for informational purposes only.